middle school short, it's dead. Fair enough. <laughs> God damn it. And that's where we're going to start the podcast, so... This is Big Man Tarun, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Woad, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. Welcome yeah. to part two of Alternative Formats, and where are they? Uh, last week we talked about Oathbreaker and CEDH, our EDH variants that have stuck around. This week... It's pre-modern in middle school. Look, it's dead, okay? I like the format more. Mog Fanatic was great when Damage used the stack. It could have been a financial driver. It kind of was, in a way. Similar to pre-modern, we saw Starfoils take off, which, if you watch the podcast for any length of time, both of us were screaming into the sky. Starfoils are the next thing to take off. Invest in Starfoils. Sure enough, they did. Mm -hmm. Now we've got commons from 7th that don't see play that are worth $30 in foil. Sure. I mean, look, awesome. That's a... But they saw play in pre-modern and middle school. Yeah, oh yeah. The ones that see play, but like the dumb ones, Star, I was going to say Stormcrow and Wild Growth, those aren't dumb. Those have a purpose. Yeah. Uh, healing Self. Like, that's just... Yeah. whatever. That, that card's not real. Neither is 7th edition population, so they're <laughs> yeah, a problem that's... in and of itself. That's fair, yeah. Like, we can dig in for people that play middle school and pre-modern. Like, 7th edition, edition population is probably something up their alley. But Yeah, that's true. Like, I don't know. I love the idea of these formats. I still do. We've talked about them at length because it represents, like, to me, one of my favorite eras in Magic, which was yeah. the extended time. The time it extended once Onslaught was put into print, meaning they rotated out the dual lands, which were evergreen through the entirety yeah. of Extended, and I think that was the only rotation, and that format basically built until, I want to say, somewhere around Kamigawa, at which point the the big rotation happened, and that kicked out, like, fourth through Invasion, and then yeah. Extended and Paper matched the card population on Moto. Moto didn't have prior to Invasion yet, uh, yeah. by the time this form, like, we were in this era, and we jammed at Vegas. Like, oh, maybe I'll bring yeah. something with me. Um, but like, oh, you should. That'd be great. You know, I, I was kind of worried when we got these announcements. Like, people were like, we're going to try this new thing. It's pre-modern. It's middle school. And there was, like, just that friction of, like, which one do we choose? And different entities with clout backed different things. And that was the most frustrating thing in the world for me because they use different fucking rule sets. Yep, and different fucking legalities. Ah, I hate it. I hate it. So, MTG Goldfish and Eternal Central glom on to middle school, which is the rule set and everything else I enjoy. I think the battle yeah, list is better. Same. Yeah. Uh, everybody else, I think including Channel Fireball, gloms on yep. to pre-modern, which has same set legality, but a different rule set and at its core I think that really separates the difference separates the two and because they never really gelled this format just never neither format really got to take off and I think it's important because these still people still cling to them like they do old school it's still a finance driver and it's yeah. still relevant to understand yeah and it's it's interesting because, you know, you still see content created for both of them. Yep. 
Although pre-modern, at obviously a larger pace because you have the personalities backing it that you do. Uh, and the thing is, you know, you see a little bit of an uptick in prices based on this content. It's obviously not as prevalent as the EDH content that you see. Oh, Impact. yeah, yeah. But there's also not as many people playing it as there are EDH. It's been interesting because over the last few months, at least locally, I've started to see tournaments take off for these formats. And that's the real interesting thing, is that you're finally seeing, at least here, a grassroots movement for these formats to be supported in an LGS. And there's only two LGSs here that are doing it. I know of one in Baltimore that's doing pre-modern. Hmm. Uh, and it's been interesting that through all of this over the last year and a half, these formats, unlike Oathbreaker, maintained momentum. And I think that's because, you know, the community was the driver rather than the organization. Yes. And I think you're seeing that the community will figure out a way. Obviously, those guys were doing something much more important than managing a format. Sorry if that offends anyone, but it's the truth. Uh, so the format kind of took a back seat in the case of Oathbreaker, whereas in pre-modern and middle school, you really did see these people start to come together and say, look, we're going to make this a thing. Yep. We love this format. We love playing on webcams. We love playing with our friends over Skype. Great. Awesome. We love Cockatrice because Cockatrice supports these formats. Cool. Moto. Whatever. Yep. And it's because of that grassroots that you've started to see this. And I think that's why, you know, something I've noticed locally when I'm trading with people and they're looking at my binder, it's like, you know, they'll be asking for stuff like, how many accumulated knowledges do you have? How many deep analysis are you sitting on? Do you have any, like, spectral links I could get? And these are cards that are just nothing right yeah, you've, yeah. you've forgotten about these cards for years they didn't exist they're still not worth a lot of money but they're willing to pay more for them to get them locally and seeing that is what really convinces me that these formats can be a financial driver because if people are starting to trade for those cards there's a market out there. yeah i i don't want to say this and sound as snooty as i'm going to say but these formats are basically the exact same as old school, and old school was supported by a bunch of guys who wanted to play their black border power over a webcam, pinky out. And, like, yeah. that's the same kind of group that really just wants to jam this. It's just a bygone era when you know, things were better, and it's a kind of a nostalgia trip and we know just from the collectible markets on the whole that that's where you want to be that's where you need yeah. to be to make money on this stuff and it's absolutely putting financial pressure on a lot of the odds and ends intuition alluring um continued pressure on arabian night city of brass the yeah. foils from like you you mentioned up top like the star foils from this from this era are all insane right now like why does wild mongrel or circular logic need a price point why can't it just be a bulk foil because people are buying them to play this format psychotog upheaval that card's banned in edh why does it need to have a price in foil literally this format, this format. in cube yeah uh, so it's like really important to understand old school i don't even think so i noticed mtg decks has a section for pre-modern deck list does it have old school i'd eat my hat not the one i'm wearing because i like it i'm not seeing one 
But like, no, there isn't one. So just like think about that. Like people are reporting back on these events because you can play them in paper, you can play them on on Moto, you can feel safe in an LGS. You don't have to play them in a bar like you do uh, old school. Like that is actually, I think, mandatory. I think you have to be at a bar to play old school. Yeah, or on a all boat. of the good events. Ha- it's it's like a meeting in Ireland. If it happens, it happens at a bar. Yeah, I think on a boat is also acceptable. Yes, also yes, definitely. And I, th- I my. I'm still confused as to which rule set is the best. Although, like I said, I do agree with the middle, uh, the middle schooler option, and I, th- I don't know who's winning the fight. There is a, a a Reddit for pre-modern. It's got like a thousand members, and it's days between posts. It there doesn't yeah. seem to be a Discord for it. It just doesn't seem to be that active publicly, and. The biggest difference between pre-modern and middle school is really the rule set that comes along with it. Eternal Central runs the middle school rules. They run the, is it just the Atlantic Seaboard or the entire old school rule set for North America? Technically, it's supposed to be the entire rule set, but I believe that it's mostly just the Atlantic Seaboard because CFB has their own set of rules. Okay. Yeah, I knew the Atlantic Seaboard also tested... um, four strip mines for a hot minute. I don't know if it's still a thing. So yeah. Eternal Central has clout, though. Uh, yeah, they do. Like, if, if you play or are into vintage magic, they're a name you should know. The uh, deck list reports, etc. So they own the rule set. Fourth through Onslaught, that's what you can play. That's what you're looking at financially. That's the same as pre-modern. Yeah. Where it gets different, though, is that Eternal Central is more about accessibility than it is adherence to the strict guidelines of what is is and is not legal from the standpoint of a magic card as long as it is a reprint of a card that was printed in magic made officially by or for watsi it is allowed so that means international and regulars collector's edition gold border cards artist proofs and uh then the supplementals like the john finkel v richard garfield stuff yeah uh beat down all that other stuff anthologies everything yep. which is why in middle school him to truck is legal but it's not in pre-modern stupid and the other part is that like i believe their old school rules it adheres to the rules of the time so that is basically prior to the changes in m10 where mana burn is, is still a thing damage goes on the stack and the wish cycle works like they used to which basically means when you wish for a card it's got to come out of your sideboard and you just literally replace them one to one if you ever look at a psychotog or primarily a morari's wake list there's three cunning wish in the main and one in the sideboard and the entire reason for that is once you play morari you cast cunning wish you copy it with morari you get your wish and you replace it with another wish so you always have one in your sideboard so you can always keep going for your sideboard for another card and eventually you'll just churn through your sideboard and that'll be that you'll have one one wish left and like i think everything else is, is an instant and that to me is huge for that era because as you named up at the top mog fanatic is an incredible card in that era there are a number of decks that just actually cannot function without damage using the stack Mog Fantastic was what we called it. Exactly. It was great. Exactly. Mog Fantastic was a one-one that killed an, an X two. It doesn't matter as long as it doesn't fly. As long if it can block it, it can kill it. End of yep. story. You know, Exalted Angel, another fantastic card that required damage using the stack. 
Uh, Aquamobia, another one. Yep. Make it a 3-1. You want to block it? Cool. Put three damage on the stack. Flip it back Reverse to a Reverse power tough. Yes. Yeah. Great. Like, these cards just don't function without that. And pre-modern basically wrote a, like a fuck off. We're using contemporary rules because it allows us to play on Moto Diatribe to describe what they're doing. So that means none of those alternative face cards are quote-unquote legal when you're playing. Though this is a fan-driven thing, you know. Uh, and we want it to be as widely accessible as possible so we're adhering to what we can do on moto like i'm not i'll go over my right shoulder and i'll go take my allurens out and i'll play it on webcam i'm not gonna go get my wallet come back install moto see if it runs maybe wait for an update maybe i can pay does a bot have allurin i don't know i'm not doing that I want to play this yeah. format in paper. I want to enjoy it the way I used to. Pinky out. Yep. <clears throat> and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Not at all. But the announcement of these sets and the Eternal rules, the Eternal Central rule set was incredibly important. That pushed uh, City of Traders, uh, World Champ stuff. Gaia's Cradle yep. and Force of Will were already on the up and up from EDH, but that puts additional pressure on it. You have like Mastercore and fetch like some of the not all five fetch lands were in world championship decks no. i can't remember but like flooded strand and windswept heath and bloodstained mire i know uh were in various world champs decks yeah uh, i think those were the three because that's uh morari's wake and goblins respectively yeah and then uh just a number of uh, grim monolith Right, EDH pressure. Yeah, C, model, yep. E D E E. Sorry, EDH C E D H. And now you have a middle school coming through, and this was hugely important to those finance drivers, and these formats, they're still active, but it's a lot of below the surface. Yeah. So if you want to actually get on board with these formats and figure out, okay, where can I, where can I go? What can I? You know, pivot to what can I figure out? What can I pick up? You have to start jumping into these discords. They're out there. Uh, I don't know if there are face group, Facebook groups for them the same way old school keeps. There are. But those are your drivers. That's where you've yeah. got to be. I couldn't find any like deck dumps. I couldn't find any like actual websites, forum style where people were gathering. I couldn't actually, in like the bit of searching that I did, find a single Discord like. But I know they're out there because I was in one for a while. Like, and I I think this is one where it's important because with pre-modern and middle school, they're a lot more grassroots, just like old school was, and old school very quickly became a financial driver. Yep. Pre-modern and middle school kind of started to have a presence, and then all of a sudden, oh, we're uh, you know pandemic, so let's hold these events, and now you're starting to see that support rise again. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those things where when we say as you're starting out, you know, pay attention to your local metagame. That's where 90%, at this point, 99% of your clientele is. Uh, pay attention to that because that's the stuff you're going to need. And with these formats especially, paying attention to your local metagame is so much more important because getting asked about that spectral links, all of a sudden, uh, you know what, the trades even, you might if I take this spectral links too? Great may only be 25 cents on tcg players somebody will probably trade you two dollars for yeah. that you get them enough spectral linkses maybe you get a fetch land out of it who knows yeah yeah that's what you're looking at and that's 
it's so much more important with these especially to pay attention to that grassroots movement to pay attention to that local metagame where these people are like you know what i'm going once a week to the lgs or i'm just playing with my friends at our kitchen table that's all we're doing but we're playing every week and we need these cards for these decks and it's also something that you know as an lgs you kind of have an opportunity because these cards are so affordable you could even say hey we want to start getting this going does anyone want to like i don't know come out and play and we'll have free decks for people sure why not i i just think that's a great opportunity for an lgs being able to lend those out and create and cultivate that community absolutely the one thing i think we are just a step away from is what happened with old school which is innovation within the space so the first thing that yeah. happened with old school was people just went back to what they knew and they built the decks that they remember, what deck list they could find, and they began playing the game. The difference between old, literal old school, like 93, 94, and now is that deck building was wildly different, not because the cards now are better or worse, but because ideology was wildly different. So yeah. once they went back and started applying current ideology about things like card advantage to the format, innovation began and we started seeing this interesting cyclical nature in the format and things like Jazam Jam eventually picked up because mono black aggro was something to do compared to what was going on previously then once that picks up innovate you start building against it we are not quite there just yet with either of these formats people went back to what they were playing and it's not like the ideology for this era of magic is where it is now but it's much closer so people just went straight back to what we were what they were doing what we were doing you know they bought they they have their 75 plus a box of extra for what's going on ask me about my astral slides stuff and (laughs) they are going to get to that point and that's where you want to be for finance stuff and it's going to take a little bit to get into from a monetary standpoint because you're going to start wanting to buy some larger ticket items it doesn't need to be the reserve list stuff that operates in this space i call that intuition and alert up top there's also master core and a number of other cards from urza saga that play really well in these formats but it is going to most likely be foils of some sort yeah for sure and i i think it's worth you know one of one of the other things that i think you need to keep an eye on with this stuff is we haven't really innovated because we're going to the decks that worked back then, yep. right? Well, the counterpoints to those decks aren't necessarily things that have been explored yet. Yeah. You know, just because, you know, I'll harken back to Combo Winner in Legacy, right? When we had Solidarity all over the place. You had Solidarity, Threshold, when Werebear was your best threat, and then Goblins. And those were your decks. Well, there were counters to those decks, and those haven't been explored explored yet necessarily in pre-modern and middle school. Mm-hmm. So based on your metagame, hey, you know what? Maybe this is an opportunity for me to like pick up cards that play well against Slide because a bunch of people are playing Slide right yep. now. How can I get them? Cool. Awesome. Let's do that. Yep. Uh, to, to lean on that, 4th through Onslaught is a huge chunk of magic and chunks of magic that didn't exist at the same time. Yep. Uh, a deck like Fruity Pebbles, a combo deck like Fruity Pebbles, and a combo deck like Tricks did not exist alongside an aggressive deck like Goblins, or yep. uh, a tempo control deck like Astral Slide, or a control mm-hmm. deck like Wake. And yeah. it really is just still uh, within an era of magic, just like wildly 
different ends of the spectrum coming together and clashing and people just haven't really begun kind of mixing and matching and figuring out what goes best and where you want to counter comp you know to your to your point and a lot of that is because there just hasn't been a lot of opportunity to do so with these communities being so subsumed but as people are able to return to them either locally or find them more as they continue to be written about which is the great thing because i think somebody was just pushing one of these formats the other day um i know the the profs put out uh videos and things like that that's what we'll see these drivers and it doesn't take that much to get into this format and it's not like you have to go off buying chaff either no Uh, if you wanted to move in on foils like i mentioned there are fm foils from this era you know, there are. And some of them that even overlap. We're never going to play Historic in paper. But you know what? Memory Elapse might actually be a card that we see at some point in time reprinted. That has an yeah. F&M foil. Psychotalk, that the price graph for that went straight up. And I believe it's come back down, but that's you know another card you can look at. You can basically begin scanning these. You don't need to start looking for like prismatic strands and other odds and like voice of all stuff like this for to counter comp you can look in and see what people are doing and say like okay what are people playing what existed in that era because all that information is still there it's not that old the 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 deck dumps are still there either hosted by wasi or uh third-party sites and start looking and saying okay if we're here and like you look at mtg decks right and i know again pre-modern is not middle school but you're like okay if yeah. Landstill and Goblins are one of the most played decks, and underneath that is Rock, like, what from that era played well against them? And you're like, okay, against Landstill, you either need to play a longer game or you need to get under them early. So you know what's probably pretty decent? Like, Dead Guy L. So let's look at that. Let's just destroy their hand, destroy their permanence, and leave them with a standstill on the board. Cool. Yeah. Start looking at that. Or, I'm going to be even more of an ass. Stasis. You know? It's hard to play standstill when you're locked under a stasis, you nerd. Yeah. You know, and you can start looking at that and seeing like what plays well and picking relevant cards for when people begin innovating and just staying up to date with things because uh, even with old school, people love brewing in public. Yeah. And that's it's interesting because I think a lot of this, especially with formats like this to me, I think about these formats and I brew a lot more when I kind of immerse myself in them. Mm -hmm. And it's not that hard for me to do because I'm so used to like, I played them. Yep. And I think this is one of those opportunities where your knowledge as a player and based on your history, you may be able to profit more readily than someone who didn't necessarily play there, not to like toot an old head horn or anything, but that opportunity exists. And I think that that's when mentioning the deck dumps and everything is really important because there is an opportunity for a newer player as well because like you said old school innovated because deck building strategies changed over time you know the rock was the rock was the rock yeah but if you look at certain lists there's multiple iterations of the rock on mtg decks there's you know the abzan list or junk as we called it back then which it will always be to me the ran gerard's verdict and spectral links because it was there to counter some of the like mono white shenanigans and your like standstill stuff well i've got stuff that can block all day i'll disrupt your hand while destroying your permanence kind of like a dead guy ale 
and you start to see that innovation play into it and that's one of the things that you know as you mentioned is another opportunity for growth with those yep and out of all the three formats i wish oathbreaker would do the most in the next coming year because i think that is the most innovative space to be but yep these formats will probably always hold my heart i agree with that very much so like this this middle school and pre-modern especially because like you said those those were when i grew up playing those were the glory days right that that was when i had this burning passion and i loved magic and i loved magic players and then i got jaded and old and started hating everything about it because it was my full-time job but i digress you have that nostalgia for it because that's when you started and this great amazing game was like new to you and you were having fun with it and it wasn't necessarily only about winning it was about winning but also you wanted to enjoy what you were doing and it's like going back to the simpler era of magic where Shiv and Dragon was one of the most efficient threats ever printed you didn't have Dark Confidant then you are you were drawing a card and if you had a Howling Mind maybe you drew an extra one yeah it's weird I, I feel fond about certain standard sets or formats after this era but nothing as fondly as really extended and i think if you talk to people that played in this era they they won't even point to you're like all right what was your favorite format standard or extended in this era and they'll probably say extended because it was super vibrant it was just it really was like probably one of the most vibrant formats i've ever seen short of like legacy after survival ban yeah where people were just like we don't know what to do anymore yeah, this format was survival for months. What are we going to do? Yeah. All right, let's uh, figure Our it out. folk did well I, one time. I, yeah. Try that. <laughs> I, I, the, and one of the reasons, and this is an example of this time being so vibrant, I remember playing Extended, and I was playing an opponent who was on Mind's Desire, and I was on Zubera Altar. Yep. Which, for those of you that are listening, is Phyrexian Altar plus all the Zubera spirits from Kamigawa. That was a deck, and it was good. That's how vibrant this extended was. Those words should never be said in a sentence. But that's where we were. And my opponent is sitting there playing Mind's Desire, and he storms off. And he asks, can I shortcut? And I say, sorry, would you mind just going through the motions? Okay, fine. He's on Mind's Desire at six. I time stop him. After he goes through all the motions. Sure, I was an asshole, but that was the kind of stuff you could do then because it was such an open vibrant format where there was stuff that never has never happened anywhere else even in legacy even in vintage even in pauper in the history of magic because that was to me the most wide open metagame we have ever had in magic was that era extended yep and i think that was the last time we truly saw a real week to week format and what i mean by that isn't like oh you know this deck won so we will innovate the other deck in standard to beat it. It's like, no, Goblins won. The, the top eight was just like, whatever, we need to beat Goblins. Okay, now Dump Truck wins, so what do we do? I don't know. We'll play Tinker. Okay, Tinker won, so what do we do? Ban it, and then we'll play Alluring. Like, and that's yeah. what happened. It really was a week-to-week or event-to-event to, or event event format. And like, Specialist aside, like it was wicked fun and i expect a lot of this to kind of pick up not because of rose colored glasses but because I, I do think a lot of people will begin to understand what this format of uh, it within magic is about and that's where you know 
to cap back at what we're talking about this episode the financial drivers will come from we'll see an uptick in the, yep. the world's champs cards which are just easy pickings like those decks i think some of them are still sealed pretty easy to attain not the kaibude ones because he plays things like grim monolith but things like the daniel zinc uh wake deck uh yeah and i think there's a the daniel and neatnagen green white slide list yep uh there's a goblin binning list i think like you just kind of go through this and you see like what can you pick up and that's kind of where i would lean on and what i would look into and a lot of that is in like i said preparation some of it is looking at lists and seeing what's there and the rest of it is going to be based on like embedding myself again in the community and just listening to what's going on and engaging and i think like oathbreaker i believe is going to be the format that does the most i want it to do the most but i think that middle school or pre-modern is where i would probably be able to make the most money i might have to spend the most money to make the most money but i think this is going to be the format where i'll be able to make the most yeah i agree with that and i i think it's important that you touch on spending the most to make the most as realistically i think part of that as well so if you do decide to go into those that is something to be mindful of that look you're probably going to be spending a little bit more hey sorry man that's how it is exactly yeah like and again you don't have to buy the reserve list stuff not no. at all but it's just not everybody wants spectral links not everybody wants phyrexian plague lords you know people are going to want yeah. some of the more expensive stuff patriarch bidding finally cheap love the goblins list overall cheap but tog is not so it's like a give and take you got to figure out where, where you want to put your money and i don't really have an idea or a suggestion of like how to do that hey this works just do it. exactly yeah. yeah picks let's do All it right. uh i want to go first because i said go so. for it All right, so i'm going back to theros you know we were there two weeks ago then we went to Modern Horizons, now we're going back to Theros. So, uh, this week for me is uh, another god weapon. But it is the green one this time. We are going with... Nylea's bow. Bow of Nylea, yep. So, uh, bow of Nylea, uh, great card. Uh, one of my favorite weapons from the set. Disregard this uh, incredible spike right after call time. We'll talk about it in a moment. But th that's why I picked it, is because we spiked, we're coming back down, and now we're starting to settle. And the important part is, is not only did that happen, but Biolos just started to pick up. So we're looking about, you know, $3.80 market, which is pretty decent. Uh, overall, the card is great. The first slide is pretty much the most important part of this. Attacking creatures you control have death touch. Awesome. That's really what we're looking at here. Then the activated ability is pretty heady, but it does some really good things. Choose one. Put a plus one plus one counter on target creature, or above Nylea deals two damage to target creature with flying, or you gain three life or put up the four target cards from your graveyard on the bottom of your library. Right, it's basically like Primal Command and all your creatures have Death Touch. Pretty great. So uh, initially, when I put this on my list, it was back in June, like, you know, uh, after a Coria release. And I did it with these numbers. TCG Market, $4.57, 192 copies. CK Buy Price, $0. Zero copies. Okay, that's how much faith I had on this card. I've been sitting on it for six months with CK buying none. Uh, CK is now buying ninety for a dollar sixty, and they're buying a handful of set foils for five dollars each. So Biolist finally picked up. Uh, Mystery Booster was on CK's Biolist when I looked at this originally, and that was the only one that stood there for a while. Now they're looking; they actually upped by by quantity. They're looking for ninety three up from ninety. So overall 
you know, this plays primarily in decks that want to enter combat and end the game that way. You know, as we'll talk about later, it could be one of a few ways the end the game, but attack you is the shared strategy across all this stuff. And uh, Bow of Nylea provides an interesting keyword for a lot of decks that want to enter combat to win the game, so this is what's relevant to the format on the whole. It could be that you're entering combat with a horde of creatures and just want to clear the way with Death Touch, or your deck goes big with Trample, and this is how you, quote, go home, you know, go big or go home. You could even be looking to play something like Finn the Fangbearer and or Sarith the Viper's Fang and want to poison someone out. But the common threat continues to remain, go to combat, attack. By itself, Bo puts in some work making combat awkward for the defender, because that's what math is for, but combined with something like Nylea, God of the Hunt, or another effect that grants Trample to the squad, spell or permanent based, you know, could be an overrun, it could end games incredibly quickly, because you only need to deal the one damage to the creature before you trample over for the rest. And this card, if we look back at the stocks graph, it just lurked for a really long time below the surface compared to the other weapons that aren't Spear of Heliod because there was minimal intrigue and again a rather linear strategy but as of late with recent sets we've seen a number of new commanders like Toski make Bow more appealing to a wider crowd so look at this like from Theros release all the way up to call time it just sits at about two and change and then it nigh doubles that's where the floor is right now so don't downplay, the I don't want to downplay the demand for werewolves either, which is a fairly recent and limited, uh, fairly recent tribe and limited in win cons, ways to win the game in combat while keeping your creatures around, like Bo does a lot here. And the activated ability like Bident, which is what I picked two weeks ago, is another interesting point to this card. There's four modes. I really consider them three because three life is like hooty hoo. Like yeah. all three modes can be relevant, though two remain relevant through the entirety of the game, and that is the counter and recycling cards. So the activated ability is good, but more food for thought than anything else. It's not like Biden, where it's just like make combat really weird for you by making you attack. Now, this nigh vertical spike at call time release is basically because of Finn the Fangbearer with a bit of Toski on the side. So, Finn the Fangbearer is an uncommon from Call Time. It's a 1-3 for 2. It's a legend with Death Touch. Whenever a creature you control with Death Touch deals combat damage to a player, that player gets two poison counters. It doesn't matter how much damage you deal. It's always two. And that's very specific to remember, but that card basically causes that, like, that huge spike. Like I said, Toski is also really good with this as well because when you play Toski, generally speaking, you're going to Voltron Toski, so you need a way to give it Death Touch and then trample over for the rest to draw your card and actually enact your game plan, which is, I play green, do. I have 40 cards in hand. So, now, that flat, that uh, spike at call time, pretty much a false flag for both the floor and the ceiling of this card, and since then we've really just been seeing it tumble down until i think the last couple of days where it finally plateaued so i'm expecting a bit more of a retrace over time but within six to nine months we should be seeing true growth and in close to a year is when i would expect to get out of these two buy lists you know as always this can change if it pops off in commander content or we continue to receive more cards like finn and sayrith 
Now, Serith isn't that great. It's a card I mentioned twice. It's from uh, Midnight Hunt. And it's just a mono green commander, two and two green for a three, four. Other top creatures you control have Death Touch. <coughs> Excuse me. Untapped creatures you control have Hexproof. And then an activated ability to untap another target creature. So it basically just works really well with Finn the Fangbearer. Like, yeah. these three cards just work well together. And the attack you theme, thus overall. So, again, that last point, if it pops off, or we get more commanders that fit into like that kind of theme where it gives you an alt win con, then I expect it to pop off. Uh, reprint equity note, same as Biden. We just went back to Theros. We got the original gods. We didn't get any of their weapons. I don't foresee this or any weapon really getting a raw EDH treatment, but we don't know what's coming in the Warhammer set. Yeah. And that is a location we could see this. Biden, I mentioned new double masters because her, her, Biden too. I don't think that's the case here. And I don't, because these are locked into the names of the gods, that's why I don't think we would get them in just a raw EDH treatment. But because the, uh, oh, I forgot what the hell they're called now, the additional IPs, uh, when they're going to just slam stuff uh, into war, into the Warhammer universe next, right? And we get so-and-so's bow of malarkey underneath it. Yeah. Bow of Nylea. Like, that's where I could see it happening. But not just, that's here's your green-red commander deck that also has bow of Nylea in it. Like, yeah. that I don't see. No, I'd say reprint equity is pretty low on this one for that reason. Um, you know, I just facts i've loved this card for a long time i think it's the best of the weapons for edh especially uh bident is good but it's in a color that already has plenty of things that do yeah. the, or that do that so it's not necessarily unique and bow is just a good value card yes. that appeals to casual players as well as competitive uh, i i love that card i think it's great yeah it was interesting to see ck all of a sudden start buying them and that was kind of the trigger was just like once ck was buying them and not even at a small quantity that's when it's just time to fire on this to start paying attention so yeah for sure uh my pick is a little bit more nebulous so i am going for the set version of mirren crusader why you ask well it's not because phyrexian crusader is seeing a bunch of spikes and prices and it's sure to follow it's not it at all i promise uh, it's because of the way the modern meta has shifted. So we're seeing more and more red-based decks and black-based decks because of Ragavan. This card's obviously too slow for Ragavan. I'm hedging my bets and praying that Wizards does the right thing and bans Ragavan and Modern. I think they should probably just ban Loris, but whatever. I think they're going to ban Ragavan once Watsi is done shipping out MH2 and they can finally say, look, our flagship card from this set doesn't matter. We got our money. We're moving on, kind of like they did with Hogak. Uh, I think when that meta happens, when we see Ragavan Ragaband, we're going to see that the meta sticks to kind of a red-black aggro. We'll still have Death Shadow. We'll still have red-black aggro because Kroxa and Darcy are still cards that exist. And I think you'll start to see a rise in the Vile decks in the format. And one of the reasons I say this is because in the sourced top 32 we have for Vegas there were a number of vile decks in spots 16 through 32 just too slow for Ragavan yep. 
those decks become much, much better in a Ragavanless format. And I think that is where they start to shine, really. And once that happens, Mirren Crusader becomes one of the better sideboard pieces for those decks. I think you're looking at, you know, 32 cents or whatever it is now. You're probably never going to get back up to the 10 to $15 that it used to be. But I could very realistically see a world in the next six months where all of a sudden we're sitting at a $5 price tag on TCG player because this card is so relevant to sideboards in the format and potentially even main boardable. Uh, obviously, as with most of my picks lately, the catalyst for this is going to be paper events. When we start having large-scale paper events again, especially in modern, because that's the most popular format, that's when you'll start to see this takeoff. I would figure around six months. I think, again, we're going to see Watsi say, look, Channel, Star City, you want to run your tournaments? You can be the guinea pigs. You can take that liability. We'll see what happens. And I think that once we get an announcement that says OP is coming, hopefully, again six to nine months that's when you start to see this happen okay if we get it sooner great but i'd be saying at around six months is when you're able to profitably buy list this if you pick it up now and not just arbitraging to credit at ck but profitably buy list this card so i just think it's a good meta call maybe i'm wrong i've been wrong before i'll be wrong again it was just a call out i noticed that vile decks are getting if they're in that range that means they're two weeks ragavan which was all over the top 16 they start remove Ragavan from the tournament. All of a sudden, look, Darcy's a good clock, but it's not as good as Ragavan. Yep. Vile decks can sort of move up in the meta. I yeah, I I don't even know if this applies necessarily to Vile decks. Like Mirror Crusader can just exist in the sideboard of decks that want to play like a tempo game. Yeah. Like, usually, those kind of decks are also gonna play Stoneforge Mystic and Equipment, so you just have a bit of a pa- a similar package anyway. But you're not yeah worried about like saving yourself the mono with a vial because you're able to tempo out the game and find a spot to cast crusader where you won't die and you can take over with crusader um, yep like i've seen taxes lists recently uh, humans lists which this also is but doesn't play well in that deck and i do agree that there's opportunity for one or both of those decks to pick up in this card to kind of i don't want to say tag along but definitely come along for the ride uh one of the you mentioned Kroxa and Darcy, but a co- another common pairing for that is Death Shadow. Yeah. Which, Grixis Death Shadow is rising just in modern in general. And, like, also inside that deck is Raghavan. But that deck does not need Raghavan. It didn't have it before, and it won't need it in the future if it is banned. But this Stone Walls, aside from Darcy, uh, Dragon Grace Channeler, every other threat in the deck as it stands. And I think this is just a really good card to have in general. Like you, you should be having this. I th- there's a world in which I see Watsi taking Umazawa's Jite off of the ban list. Oh God, I hope not. Oh my God, uh, that would be so bad for the format. But who knows? They've done worse. Why? Look, smelt. Ah. Smelt is a card. It costs one red. Kill your Jite. Look, it's a two mana planeswalker. Temple's fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they should unban Deathrite, but what do I know? Look, that's a one mono Planeswalker. You can't have that. <laughs> they don't know how to balance it yet. They figured that's it out fair. with Tybalt. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. Well, what happens? Merfolk gets better? Is that what you're worried about? No, I just, it just kills every aggro deck in the format. Yeah. I mean, it's better than Ragavan, let's be real. Yeah, I mean, with Ragavan gone, what are they? S- send my Stoneforges to the moon, please. Yeah, but like... 
there's a world in which that happens, and in that instance, Mirror Crusader does a really good job carrying a GTA. It does. It, it, it I, it's Sultai, in fact, I watched get beat up all day long this, this week on Star City Versus. They just lost the gauntlet. But that's not to say that, you know, Simic, in fact, doesn't come back. And you know what? Yeah. This block green creatures all day long. It's really good against that, too. It doesn't need equipment to do that. It just stonewalls. You might be dead by three, but that's a different problem. Yeah, you can figure that out yourself. I think this is just, from a speculative standpoint, a good card to pick up on because its stock is currently low, and this has had a foothold in modern before. And from a playability standpoint, if you don't have them, you should for that same reason. It is good, yep. and when you need it, you need it, and you don't want to not have it. And I think this is just... A, a good look overall for both of those reasons. And if you were ever thinking about playing Legacy, Death and Taxes is fairly approachable at this point, and this is... Uh, cornerstone is a wrong word, but it is always, almost always in the 75 somewhere, so you're going to be picking them up anyway. Yep. But, you know, might as well get them now. But I think that's going to be it for this week, unless there's anything else you got. I'm good. All right, so for at MTG Cabalcast, which you can find on Twitter, Patreon, Facebook, and YouTube, the audio podcast is on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, I think, Audible, not sure. They're jerks. Uh, probably everywhere else, though. I am at Halt. I am Reptar. You are at Thirsty Sizzler. This is a much better sign-off than last week. <laughs>